Hello, and welcome again to the Let's Do a Crime podcast. I'm Ryan, he, him. And I'm Mouse, they, them. And today we're going to be talking about that time that a Mr. Big Sting was used against a cop. Oh, shit. So I'm going to give some early trigger warnings. Uh, No one gets physically hurt in this, but there's a trigger warning for gaslighting and, to a lesser extent, but still there, stalking. Okay. So, in January 2021, so this is recent, uh, a former York Regional Police Constable, Richard Sr., appears in court in charges of theft under 5,000, forging documents, unauthorized computer use, breach of trust, possessed firearm obtained by theft, possessed weapon for deadly purpose, uh, attempt robbery and trafficking of controlled substances. Okay. So just to break down those charges there. Theft under mm-hmm. 5,000 is pretty simple. It's, that's what most theft charges are in Canada. Forging that's documents. What the charge against that one guy who stole my tablet would have been if the police had done anything. Yeah. So forging documents is is kind of a specific charge because it's not, it's not like he made fake documents. It's that forging, he, he signed documents he shouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, unauthorized computer use. That's a catch-all term for any any data breaches in law enforcement. Breach of trust. That's very funny. Just you used a computer against our permission. Well, I mean, I'll go a little bit more into this, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but just like from like initial hearing, that's that's very funny. Yeah. Breach of trust. Like again, a catch-all for like you you were entrusted with something in a public office and you have gone against whatever your oath was. Uh, possess firearm obtained by theft. Possess a uh, weapon for dangerous purpose, which this is both the same same weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, attempted robbery, and which is pretty obvious. Ro- robbery, like, I've seen some confusion about what robbery, difference between robbery, theft, assault is. Robbery is when you're stealing something with a threat of force. So okay. if I just come in and grab something from you and run away, that's just theft. If I come in, threaten you with violence to hand over something, and then I take it and run away. That's robbery. That, okay. So that, there's a difference. And then trafficking controlled substance. So controlled substance is, is any, like, usually means drugs. But yeah. it, it could also mean things like prescriptions that, like, you don't lawfully have access to. So yeah. there, there are different levels of trafficking controlled substances. But those are the charges. Okay. His defense would attempt to argue entrapment as the majority of the charges would come from an intense undercover operation, uh, corruption investigation. Uh, this is... Like this is the one time that I can find that a Mr. Big Sting was using a cop. Uh, I will shout out that where I got this story from is there's a YouTube channel called Runkle of the Bailey. He's an okay. Alberta lawyer. Uh, his channel is really good, but he does cover mostly firearm stuff because that's his specialty in law. So if maybe if you're not into firearms, don't look up his channel. But he does cover a lot of cases like this and really interesting landmark Canadian cases. He also covers those. So even if you're not into firearms, his channel's great. And also if you're, like, into Canadian stuff at all. Or if you don't know too much about, like, Canadian crimes. Maybe that's something you're interested in. Yeah, he, he explains some of your rights in court and stuff like that that most people wouldn't realize not having been through the system before. Yeah, I'm a law dumbass, so, like, that would be useful for me. <laughs> so, so speaking of law dumbasses, we've talked about Mr. Big's things before, right? So yes. Mr. Big's thing, just to summarize, if, if you didn't listen to a previous episode is when the police are trying to get someone to get evidence on on a crime from someone so they do a sting where they make a fake criminal organization convince their target that they're part of this that they're joining this criminal organization 
and then have them work their way up until they talk to the, the boss, Mr. Big, who mm-hmm. then will will demand information from them in order for them to be inside this criminal syndicate. It's its use is really questionable. There's been a couple like good uses of it, but in general, it's very yeah, kind of gaslighty and entrapment. Highly controversial. Yeah, it's highly controversial. So this the inciting incident to this whole thing is an accusation of misuse of police databases, which is where the unauthorized use computer comes from. Right. So he specifically is accessing CPIC, which is the Canadian Police Information Center. It's the federal database we all get access to. That's where you check for Mm -hmm. warrants. That's where you check if someone's got a criminal history, uh, stolen vehicles. In fact, pro tip for everyone out there buying a car, in Canada, you can go onto the CPIC website and punch in a VIN number of a car, and it'll tell you if it's stolen. So if you're buying a used car, oh, look that up, punch in the VIN number, and it'll tell you if there's any theft reports on that vehicle. That's and, really awesome. I didn't know that that was something that we could do. Yeah, a lot of people don't know, and everyone should do that if you're buying a used car. Yeah. But generally, access to this is heavily restricted. There's other law enforcement databases, too. So obviously, York Regional Police has their own database. Uh, here in Alberta, we have something called Moves Roads, which is what is the registry is based on. It tells you like what license plate belongs to what car and who owns it and stuff like that. There's a... Sounds so poetic for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Moves roads. Yeah, it's they're both acronyms. I don't know what they're for. Like I've I've <laughs> read them obviously, but like everyone calls it moves or roads. Mm-hmm. But uh, there there's a million different databases that we can potentially get access to, and like some of them are like big heavy hitters like CPIC. If you abuse CPIC, you're fucked. You're you're going to jail. If uh, and there's there's low, lower level ones like municipal databases. If I were to look up a municipal something and i wasn't supposed to like i might lose access to the database but i probably wouldn't go to jail for that but generally speaking police databases are heavily restricted and their use is monitored and the fastest way to get fired is to abuse one of these databases but um makes sense you can get away with it for a while though because like obviously we're we're using these databases daily like one officer can access one database dozens of times in a day legitimately combine that with every officer in the country. So what they'll usually do is they'll do random checks and see if the information you pulled up is related to a file you're working on. And if it's not, then they'll, they could contact you and ask you, why were you accessing this? Because sometimes right. it's legit. Like if you just run a plate, you know, that, you know, at a traffic stop and then just have to let the guy go. Yeah. It's could still be legit. Right. But, uh, usually when someone is investigated for misuse of database, there's either a complaint or they've noticed a pattern of behavior. So you can get away with this for quite a while, unfortunately. Uh, uh, That makes sense. When it's like a big system, you slip between the cracks. It's just human error. It's an inevitability. Yeah, plus it's just just so hard to investigate all these. I think they could do a better job of it. Um, Oh, yeah, 100%. And in some cases, there's flags, too. Like, say, if I were to go look up Justin Trudeau in CPIC, I guarantee an RCMP uh, special investigator would be knocking at my door tomorrow because there's no reason why I should be doing that. Yeah, they'd be like, um, excuse me, why are you looking up the prime, not the prime minister? No, yeah, the prime minister. Yeah, yes. I I almost mixed up prime minister and premier. Oh, wow, bad Canadian. Listen. uh... But they'll they'll flag things too. Like, say, if if someone acute, like, say, if I had an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, and they accused me of stalking, then they would flag that, like, like, my agency would flag their name in the databases, and if I looked them up, that would be an automatic like investigation. So yeah, there, there are times sense. when they do flag things, but it's all very complicated. So yeah. in October of 2016, 
Uh, Constable Senior ran his friend and her ex-boyfriend in police databases at her request, quote-unquote, for fun. Uh, he later told his friend about her ex-boyfriend's traffic tickets, which is obviously, like, not the end of the world, but it's still a huge privacy violation. Yeah. So, uh, Senior was also in an affair with another woman, who he also ran his police database. This is a bigger flag. He's running someone he's yeah. in a relationship with without their knowledge. This is this is where you get kind of the stalkery behavior. Yeah, that's fucking creepy, dude. Why and, are you doing that? Yeah, and not terribly uncommon. And most people I hear getting fired for this or were doing something similar. Uh, another friend of Senior's asked him to check up on a man that she was dating. Uh, Senior's phone was la later found with screenshots of the man's CPIC information as well as his address and phone number. Uh, the warrant also revealed screenshots of information from several other people and vehicles as well as photos apparently of a marijuana grow op associated with an Enviro truck wash business. Keep in mind, this is before marijuana was legal, so this would have mm -hmm. been an illegal op. And the fact that he had all these photos and, as far as I can tell, wasn't involved in an investigation of this at all is really questionable. So the dates for these were spread up through 2016, 2017, and 2018. At some point, uh, York Regional Police caught wind and he that he was running plates for a reason and began to investigate him. So, like, if if they find one anomaly, they'll usually, like, ask you about it, and then you can, like, go through your notes and stuff and see why you did that. But since this, they found a pattern of behavior here, they're not telling him at all that they even know about this. They're just going straight to an investigation, which is reasonable. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Don't want to arouse suspicion. Don't, yeah, you don't want, want him to, like... You don't want to stop so like, doing it if you haven't proven it yet. Exactly, yeah. Uh, in June 2018, uh, Senior befriended another officer and began. they began to partner together. His partner, known only as UC1 in court documents, which, by the way, all this information is from the court case, because in Canada, when they document court cases, it's in a lot of detail. So his partner... Oh, does UC stand for undercover? Undercover 1, yep. Yes. Uh, so his partner, known as UC1 <laughs> in court documents, is an experienced undercover officer who was assigned to befriend Senior and infiltrate his life. Uh, mm -hmm. UC1 understood that this was a corruption investigation, and his original instructions were not to suggest or create any criminal activity. So obviously, like, you don't want to make him do something, you want to catch him doing something. Yeah. Uh, but he was fed specific tasks by his handler. Uh, UC1 was to play the role of a disgraced patrol officer who just returned from a suspension. So right right away, they're setting UC up to be one up to be kind of sketchy, uh, presumably yeah. so that, like, if... Senior is also sketchy. He'll trust him a little bit more. Yeah, so that he can be like, "Oh yes, you and I are of of a like mind." Yeah, pretty much. Because uh, that's how I imagine corrupt cops talk to each other. Oh, uh, if if you want to read the original court document, they put like actual recorded conversations in there, and of course, the flow of conversation doesn't work well in text form, so it is kind of hard yeah. to read. But they're <laughs> like, they're like, yeah, brother, you like, they're like, they're totally that those guys. It's it's hilarious. Yeah, brother, my my dude, yeah. my homie. Uh, <laughs> initially, it seems like they did normal police work, largely traffic enforcement, uh, but they also became fast friends and regular partners on ship. And I can attest that when you're partnered with someone, you become friends with them pretty quickly, or you hate them pretty quickly. There's kind of no in between, because mm -hmm. you're spending all day, every day with them, in like some pretty intense moments. So, Which makes sense. Yeah, everyone I've been partnered with, I either became friends with pretty quickly, or I absolutely hated. Yeah. <laughs> so in July, UC1 was directed to secure their shared patrol vehicle to be bugged. So at this point, they were like actual full-time partners. They were sharing a patrol vehicle. Uh, he was able to do so and brought it in to be wired up for audio and video 
via hidden cameras and likes. So this wouldn't have been hard for him to do because like all he has to do is say, oh, needs an oil change, I'll, t I'll take it in. And that's because legit, sometimes we have to go out of service for a few hours to maintain the vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, a few days later, UC1 was then instructed to do the same thing to Senior's personal truck. So he leveraged their new friendship and borrowed Senior's pickup truck, quote-unquote, to move. So he said, hey, man, I don't have a pickup truck. I'm moving. Can I borrow your truck for a couple days? And and Senior loaned it to him. He was able to take it to a text, wired up in the same way, and they returned it. See, maybe it's because, like, I'm not a car person, but, like, anything more expensive than, like, $50, I'm like, I'm coming with this item. <laughs> like, you're not just borrowing it. I mean, like... It, it, it's, it does seem a little bit weird that that uh, senior didn't come help him move or whatever, but yeah. if if he was clever, he might have just arranged it, been, been like, "Oh, I'm gonna do it," because Constable Senior did have kids, so if you see one was oh, clever, okay. this is speculation. This isn't in the court documents. If I was yeah. him, I'd be like, "Okay, I'm gonna pick a day that I know he can't help me." But I'd be like, "Hey, I'll loan you my car. You loan me your truck. I'll get this done. We'll swap back." And you know, I will honestly say that most guys at work probably would have like would go with that. You're, you're... I mean, yeah, it it makes sense. Um, I'm also just thinking or looking at it from like my personal perspective. Yeah, that that's true. Well, also like when you're partnering with someone, you can see how they drive, so you you know pretty quickly if you ever got <laughs> this person in your car. Yeah, yeah, and uh, for all like the listeners out there, I don't have a license, I can't drive, therefore it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, one thing I forgot to add in my normal intro is that is that I have been in emergency services and law enforcement for over 10 years but i am not a police mm -hmm. officer i should clarify that since i keep talking about being a, being a cop and i'm just a dumbass <laughs> you're an artist i'm an art dumbass it is it is a skill i cannot do da -da -da. yeah so at this point it seems like no corrupt behavior had been detected but uc1 was able to establish a great deal of rapport so like building friendship pretty quick but Nothing sketchy has happened yet, which mm -hmm. I wouldn't expect you. Like, if even if you're a dumbass criminal, you're probably gonna be smart enough not to like show your real face to a new person within like the first month. Be extremely suspicious if, like, within one month, you're like, "Yeah, I'll commit like a bank heist with you, person I just met." Uh, we'll get to that. So, oh my god, <laughs> do they do that? <laughs> so at this point, a second undercover officer enters the picture. UC two, aka Henry Wong. I'm going to refer to him as, as Wong for the rest of this because they actually give him a name in this. But okay. He, so, also an undercover officer, also in on this whole investigation. He was deposed as an informant. So this is when, like, you, you catch a criminal or some other insider into a criminal organization uh, and they start feeding you information. Mm -hmm. uh, he arranged to be pulled over by committing a blatant traffic violation right in front of Senior. Uh, when stopped, he was to pretend to be a mid-level Asian gang member who was about to lose his driving license. Uh, and offer information to get out of the charges. Uh, they put his fake license in the system with just barely not enough points to lose it. So, like, if he would have gotten any ticket from Senior, he would have lost his license to make okay. this more credible. Uh -huh. uh, UC1 was aware of Wong and encouraged Senior to accept the deal and establish an informative relationship with UC1 providing guidance. Uh, during the stop, UC1 encouraged Senior to get his phone encrypted, citing his previous issues. So, UC1 is pushing the sketchy angle a little bit. He's like, so he's like, yeah, I didn't encrypt my phone, and that's what got me jammed up last time. So, you know, you should probably you should probably get your phone encrypted. Mine's encrypted now. You're like, hmm. um, um, this this doesn't count. See, now that we've introduced a second undercover agent, and they're doing this 
traffic stop. I'm wondering if this is pushing the illegal activity just a little bit. Well, not yet, because the fact that okay. they haven't... Like, so far, none of this has been outside of the normal course of activities for a police officer pulling so over someone. Um, so, like, at this point, it's still, like, still above board, in my opinion. Like, okay. every, everyone's acting the way they should be. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, so UC1 starts pushing the, the encryption issues. Um, and then uh, they, they establish this informant relationship with Wong. And Wong provided intel on a storage locker containing drugs, cash, and guns. Uh, UC1 reported this to their uh, uh, staff sergeant and indicated that Senior would be the lead officer in this investigation. Uh, later in the month, this is still July, so this is only like mm-hmm. two months after they've met, uh, UC1 convinced Senior to encrypt his phone. Uh, Senior gave UC1 the phone to encrypt. UC1 handed it to the tech department to be bugged, which is why he was pushing yeah. this angle. Yeah, yeah of course. That. Uh, Early on in this, Senior expressed nervousness about handling an informant and indicated to UC1 he had absolutely no training or experience with this. So he started leaning on UC1 for guidance throughout. And mm. this is something like... It, handling an informant is not standard police training. It's, it's not standard law enforcement training. There's very few patrol officers who would ever deal with an informant. I wouldn't have any right. idea how to deal with an informant. I wouldn't know what the rules are. It's not something that I would ever come across. Uh... I'll spare some of the details, but here's the Cliff's notes from what I could okay. gather from from what I did some research. Senior hmm. could be the contact officer, but he wasn't able to authorize things like payments, um, and he shouldn't be working alone. So, when you have an informant, you can like you can't hire someone to be an informant, but you can pay them for information. So, kind of like a reward for getting information. So, okay. and these are always authorized after the fact. So he couldn't authorize right. anything like that. Uh, Two officers are supposed to be present at any informant in- interaction. So him and someone else, presumably UC1, should always be together whenever they have to interact with their informant to make sure that like stuff isn't happening and shouldn't be happening. Uh, officers handling informants don't typically act on tips themselves. They pass it on to their appropriate supervisors. So unlike the movies, if you have an informant, you're not the one who's going to go do the bust. You're just passing information on. And you're staying as arm's length away from the actual investigation as possible. You're just collecting information. I so, mean, it makes sense. Like, you wouldn't want your face to be associated with, like, with this informant and then also with, like, the, the sting operation or anything like that. Well, also, it helps remove steps to corruption. Because, like, if, if you collect information, hand it off to a detective who's not related to the informant who investigates it. They verify it's real. Hand it off to Tactical who goes and does the bust. Like, mm-hmm. then... There's, you're several steps removed from whatever the intel actually is. So if right. someone starts feeding you bullshit, if uh, if you're in cahoots with them, whatever the case may be, it makes it much harder to get away with that. But uh, uh, Later on, still in July somehow, uh, UC1 was given a new objective to investigate the possibility that Senior was selling steroids. At this point, UC1 and Senior attended gym together and frequently ate breakfast together. So now they're spending a lot of their off time together too. Uh, UC1 asked Senior about steroids. Yeah. So UC1 asked Senior about steroids. Senior discouraged him instead of giving good nutrition advice instead. So I'm not sure why they came to this conclusion that Senior was selling steroids. As far as you can tell, he had never been like suspected of this up to this point. And like mm-hmm. when asked about it, he's like, no, don't do steroids. Which I will say that steroid use in law enforcement is like actually kind of a big problem. It's like a big open secret in a lot of agencies. 
Right. And I can attest that I have been asked about steroids before. I don't know why anyone would ask me about steroids. I'm not like a, a gym monkey kind of person. No. But not I, you and I are like hiking buds. But not I've been in the situation before where, where someone says like, "Hey, like I don't, I don't feel like I'm strong enough. I don't feel like I'm fast enough. Like, should I do steroids?" And then I'm just like, "No, oh. dude. Like, don't do steroids. Just, just work out harder. Like, you know." So this, I don't think that senior would think this is suspicious at all because this is kind of actually a problem in law enforcement. Yeah, but that's still like that's really funny to me that he was like, "No, just eat healthy." <laughs> yeah, which is exactly how I would react too. Yeah. Uh, as of August 14th, uh, UC1, UC1 testified he hadn't seen any evidence of crime from Senior yet. Uh, the informant's uh, situation seemed to be going as normal, and any suggestions of steroid use continued to be discouraged by Senior. So hmm. at this point, like, Senior's just kind of acting like a normal cop. He's not not doing anything sketchy with the informant. He's, he's rebuffing any attempts to get steroids. So, like, right here, it's kind of like, uh, this is maybe when the investigator should have maybe pull back a little bit on like specifically the steroid thing how how long has this investigation been going at this point so it started in june it's now august so we're only three months in oh yeah that's that's real that's like no time at all though they yeah. just started basically. yeah but they're it but they're pushing here they're really pushing hard which i think this, yeah yeah and i can i can get why you'd want to push hard if you want to get an investigation done and over with but given that like <laughs> UC1 was a cop, and even though he's undercover up right now, he's doing normal police work. It, it seems to me not a problem to leave him there for a while because he's, it's not like you have an officer that's not doing something. <laughs> Just leave, yeah, like him, leave him there in, for a while. In investigation. He's doing his job. Yeah. Uh, so UC1 was also given instructions to start acting more suspicious and to look potentially corrupt without directly saying or doing anything implicating. So just act sketchy. You know, end phone calls early like step away when you when it's kind of un inappropriate to like that kind of thing okay uh, around this time senior confides that he was having an affair and that the affair was going poorly so i mentioned earlier he was having an affair with someone uh, i know but i was shocked then and i'm shocked now yeah so apparently his mistress is threatening to ruin his career uh, that's why you don't have an affair dumbass yeah, and his wife found out also that his mistress's family was involved in drug trafficking and that he wanted to fuck over this mistress for trying to fuck over him. Oh my god! This came out of nowhere! Yeah. So, UC1 offered to help him with filing intelligence reports regarding this. Uh, UC1 really pushed uh, Senior to file intelligence reports on his mistress. Uh, UC1 also asked if she had any dirt on Senior. But other than the affair itself, Senior didn't admit to anything. Uh, UC1 also really pushed the steroid thing now, directly asking for them. Uh, under UC1's guidance... Uh, Senior did file an anonymous intelligence report regarding the mistress. However, and this is one thing that he probably wasn't fully aware of, and I wasn't fully aware of, because again, I don't deal with intelligence reports. Mm -hmm. uh, as a police officer, he can't be an anonymous informant in this capacity. Oh shit! Yeah, and for this kind of information, it can't be done anonymously because it's too big. Like, there's no hard evidence, so you need a witness. UC1 right. knew this. Uh, Senior almost backs out of it. But UC1 talks him into it. So this is this is where we can start arguing entrapment, right? Yeah, this this is where, like, I, as just, like, an average person looking at this case, would be like, this doesn't seem appropriate because he's not supposed to be, like, he's not supposed to be encouraging a crime happening. He's supposed to be, like, observing. Yeah. Yeah, basically. 
Uh, also in August, Wong started trying to meet with Senior, saying that he had urgent information, and UC1 started giving excuses as to why he wasn't available. Uh, Wong also started su suggesting meeting at strip clubs. So this is a problem, like as I said, there's supposed to be two options to this, especially yeah. given that Senior wasn't a trained informant handler. So he would, and UC1 said he was, which he probably is because he's not a cover officer. He's probably had this training, but right. so he was basically supposed to be seniors handler to make sure he was doing everything correctly. And now UC1 starting to ghost him and make excuses why he can't meet up. So kind of forcing his hand to go in this alone. Uh, yeah. And Wong, keep in mind Wong is also an undercover officer, started suggesting suggesting meeting at strip clubs, which at first uh, seniors shot down the suggestion. Uh, this is a problem because strip clubs are often associated with organized crime and are often right. where a lot of criminal transactions are going down. So for a police officer to be openly going to one is is a problem for a bunch of reasons. So right. you're, you're, when, in my reading, when you meet with an informant, it's supposed to be someplace neutral, usually a restaurant, someplace that like no one would associate with crime or the police at all. And that's mm -hmm. where, where you do your meetings. Uh, but but Wong is really pushing the strip club thing. Um, this time he didn't meet with the strip club. He convinced him to go meet at a normal bar. Uh, yeah. During this meeting, UC1 left briefly. Or sorry. Uh, uh, senior refused and insisted on a normal restaurant, rescheduled the meeting until UC1 was available. So he did the right thing here. He refused to meet alone. Uh, he kept putting it off until UC1 was actually uh, available and insisted on like a normal restaurant. Uh, during this meeting, UC1 left briefly and returned with unexplained cash. So this is the whole trying to look sketchy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, senior didn't question this, though. Uh, after this, Senior started getting more pressure to identify the source of his intelligence report. Uh, I'm going to skip over a bunch of stuff here, but the pressure keeps mounting. Like, his supervisors keep coming down on him. It's like, it's like hey, you need to identify your, your source for this intelligence report, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he, so he starts... Uh, bugging UC1, being like, what do I do here? Like, I've gotten it in my head. Like, how do I handle this situation? Um, and UC1 ghosts him and doesn't respond. And apparently he was instructed to do so. He was instructed to ghost him. Right. Uh, eventually, this leads to Senior putting a false name on the report. It was, it was a real name of an informant, someone that, like, someone that uh, Senior knew and knew was, like, kind of sketchy, uh, mm -hmm. but wasn't involved in this at all. And so he put his name on the report, thinking that, like, oh, if this comes back on me later, I can go just, like, pay him to say he's submitted or whatever. Right. Um, which is where false forging and falsifying documents comes in. But, like, I just want to, like, go back, go back for a second. This entire investigation has started because he might have been stalking somebody? Uh, not stalking. It was because he was running plates when he shouldn't have been. So... There, he may may have been stalking someone, but most of the plates he were running were at the request of friends and stuff like that, like checking up on their boyfriends and whatnot. Right, and then right, he, which like he shouldn't be doing, but this does seem like quite the escalation. Yeah, and 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 I'm noticing that a lot of it is at the encouragement of UC One. Yeah, so uh, and uh, I will say that UC One is being given instructions here, so like he has a handler oh, who's giving yeah, instructions. Of so yeah. I wouldn't absolve him completely of blame, but like he also doesn't necessarily know the whole backstory and is just kind of going with what he's being told. Yeah, um, I just wanted to like go over this again just to like make sure that we're still like on the same page and like where we're at on the timeline, just in case people 
yeah, have already kind of they're, they're definitely, how we got here. They're definitely turning this into a bigger issue than it has to be. Well, the fact that they keep asking him for things like steroids or submitting information anonymously when he can't do that or like like honestly when uc1 heard him say he wanted to fuck over his mistress who is involved in like drugs he could have dropped the steroids thing entirely yeah it could have that could have been the new angle i don't know why they're so on about steroids i think it like was because they someone high up probably wanted to burn him and Mm -hmm. knew that like in police departments is you don't have to throw a stone before you hit someone who can probably get you steroids. Uh, and so I just kind of assume that, that he'd be one of these guys. Yeah. But okay. It's things like this that are why I think the Mr. Big operation is so controversial. Because I can definitely see yeah, I... his his activity being encouraged when it shouldn't. It shouldn't be. They should pull back to just observing. Yeah, I've, I've seen some takes on on this case that that uh like for one this is this is building up a lot of crime that probably would never have happened if this investigation hadn't happened but on the mm-hmm. other hand the fact that he's going with it you don't want this guy being a cop um i say it's like it's like okay i agree this guy shouldn't be a cop like obviously he's too susceptible to these this kinds of things but yeah. like you kind of just fired him for the misuse of the terminals you didn't have to turn it into this huge investigation yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now, where it's like, okay, you caught him doing this thing, you can see that he's, like, susceptible to, like, peer pressure or, like, mishandling systems and resources that are at his disposal. Like, just just let him go. Yeah. So, where was I? Oh, yeah. I'm so, so sorry. So, this, uh, this ghosting cycle starts continuing. Uh mm-hmm especially with meeting with Wong. Also, a reward payment was authorized to give Wong for the information. So basically they said that, like, oh, yeah, that, that information was good. We did a bust. We got so-and-so. And no bust actually happened because this is bullshit information. But, no, of course nothing happened. But because of the degrees of removal, Senior wouldn't know that. If, if you got word yeah. back that, like, oh, the bust was good, this information was good, you know, all it's going to do is be like, oh, like, this guy is helping me build my career. Like, I should keep working with this informant. Right. Yeah, it it creates that level or degree of trust and reliability. Yeah. So you see, one starts ghosting with the meetings with Wong. A reward payment is authorized to give Wong for the information. In a conversation, Senior expressed some concern about handling the cash. Uh, he didn't think he was authorized. Now, no one again. He hadn't been trained to handle informants yet, and he was correct. He wasn't authorized to handle the cash, but they were giving it to him anyway to go give to this informant. Uh. UC1 kept ghosting him, and eventually it forced Senior to meet with Wong alone. Uh, Senior is also led to, uh, led to believe that this payment must be delivered to the informant, which is not true. That if the defor- informant turns it down, the department can't just take it back because it's a reward; it's not like payment. Yeah. So if the informant doesn't want it, then the department can just take it back. But, but also, was... why would why wouldn't you want the reward? <laughs> yeah. Well, he he uh, he was led to believe this this uh, this wasn't possible. Uh, Wong and Senior met in a strip club at one at Wong's insistence. So finally, like they've gotten him into a strip club for this this meeting. My uh, goodness. When offered the money, which I think was a thousand dollars, Wong refused, claiming to be insulted. Now keep in mind, Wong is portraying himself as like amid the high level person in this organized crime. So, like his whole thing was is like it's like I'm giving you this information to help destroy my rivals. Like I make tens of thousands of dollars a minute on these transactions. What why do I want your money? Like, don't insult me like this. 
So he refused to take it. Uh, apparently, uh, Senior tried to give it to him several more times uh, mm-hmm. before just leaving it on the table in front of him. And then oh Wong, Wong said later he he when he was looking away and looked back, the money was gone, but never actually saw Senior take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wong's handler was also given instructions at this point to provide Senior with access to steroids if asked. Uh, Wong noted at this time that Senior had never mentioned steroids. Why are they pushing the steroids? Right. So I'm going to skip ahead a bit again because, like, this mm-hmm. cycle continues where, you know, he's not there's, able to consist. Slowly escalating things. Yeah. Well, and getting the and this is one of the things that like uh, of um um there, there's there's a saying in like in like the military that first shot's always the hardest. Like first time uh-huh. to shoot someone is hard, and it's easy after that. So the first time. You know, they can get him to do something that's like blatantly corrupt. It's easier to do it next time. It's like a moral, moral slippery slope, and you can kind of see that happening here, where he's really resisting up until a point where he steps over the line and he just starts kind of going with it. Right. Yeah. So, he yeah he start like this. This cycle continues where like UC One's not reliably there. He's had to meet Wong alone more often. Uh, these payments are being authorized. Wong's not taking it. He doesn't believe he can just give it back. So the money goes missing. Like so, they're they're really building this whole like conspiracy around him. Yeah. And uh, in in Runkle the Bailey's video, which Grant he does several hour long videos on this because he breaks down the case in detail. I'm skipping over a lot. He breaks it down like minute by minute. Uh, yeah. He also pointed out that uh, uh, that at this point, like all his supervisors are in on it, this informant's in on it, his partner's in on it. Pretty much his entire professional life is fabricated now and it looks like his career is going really well when really it's an investigation so yeah. that's going to cause you to act differently right you're, you're more mm-hmm. likely to take a risk to protect your your huge boost in career than if you're like oh i got a million hour things on the go so uh he starts getting pressure from another officer constable uh, T- uh timur bulatov as well uh about sourcing steroids and I couldn't find if he was part of this thing. Like he, he's not. His name's not uh, not uh, blanked out, so he might not have been part of this thing. But he was never charged anything. Uh, senior ends up meeting with Wong more often without the UC one. Um, yeah. Uh, eventually, this this uh, he breaks and starts talking about getting steroids from Wong. Uh, but he eventually comes in contact with someone outside this investigation, uh, Norn, named George uh, Papuzzos who is not one of the UC officers, and this man could get him steroids. So now oh he's my. made contact with someone who's an actual steroid dealer because of this mm-hmm. pressure. Uh, the fake busts continue, and it seems like Constable uh, Senior's career is going extremely well, despite all the weirdness around it. So, like, as far as he's concerned, he's making huge busts based on this intel. And he's got right. this great partner, and, like, and it's all fake, which is, like... Had to have, like, destroyed this guy when he found out. Oh, absolutely. That's, I mean, I don't want to, like, be too sympathetic towards him. Because in the end, he did end up committing crimes. But, his like, his entire life was a lie for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. This, this is why I trigger warning for gaslighting. Like, I'm going to yeah. say that, based on what I've seen, Cosper Sr. is not a good cop and probably not a good person. But no one deserves to be, like, gaslit for their, like their entire life situation that's just yeah absurd. like that's 
devastating just to think about. Uh, Wong also starts asking Senior to run plates for him. Uh, Senior is hesitant and tries to get UC1 to run the plates, uh, but UC1 refuses. Uh, Senior eventually does it himself. There, you got him. You can, yeah, you like, can... they, they got him on the thing they were investigating him for. Yeah, so, like, you, you can now, you can now fire him, you can now charge him with, with breach of databases and all that kind of crap. Yep. Um, uh, on September 6th, uh, Papuzos asks Senior to run his plate to make sure he had no outstanding warrants against him. Uh, Senior must have suspected at this point that he was under the radar, because he asked uh, Constable uh, Timurberlatov to do this for him, which he did. So, like, I don't know if, if this other constable was part of the investigation. Like, I kind of suspect he was because, like, he wasn't charged with anything and he kind of seems to slot in perfectly to this. But if he wasn't, yeah. like, get him out of there. <laughs> yeah, get him out of there too. You got two in one go. So, so yeah, now he's, he's running plates, which is, again, the original investigation was into him running plates and accessing police databases when he shouldn't have been. And they've got yeah, him red-handed like, now. Oh. Yeah, this whole, like, steroids thing, like, came out of fucking nowhere. You have him. You have evidence that he did the thing you were investigating him for. That's all you need. Yeah, but they, now they, they think they've got a big fish. So, September 17th, so keep in mind, this began in June, we're now in September. Uh, UC1 and Senior start seriously talking about obtaining various steroids. They also discuss the latest intel from Wong, which is potentially a warehouse with lots of drugs, guns, and money. This is going to be like a humongous, like a movie-level bust, right? <laughs> uh, Wong has been spinning this up as a huge stockpile for his main rival. Uh, UC1 and Senior start talking about busting the warehouse themselves to, quote, make some money. Uh, I was reading the, the, the chat logs on this, like the, like the recorded conversations, and because of how like conversations aren't like clean and they don't flow very well, it's really yeah. hard to tell who's the one who like came up with this. It, it just seems like one of those, like, wouldn't it be funny moments that kind of turn into... What if, though? Yeah. So, so I can't, like, I couldn't actually suss out from the conversation if Senior had come up with the, with the idea, which would make it, like, a legit thing to pursue from an undercover point of view, or if mm -hmm. UC1 had suggested it, in which case that would be more along the lines of entrapment. Mm -hmm. But uh, either way, they start talking about this. So at first they're joking about it, and then it starts turning into an actual plan. Uh, they talk a lot about bringing a third person on this, but this never materializes, so I'm going to skim, skim over it. I have a feeling, okay. it's not in the court records, but I have a feeling that UC1 may have been sabotaging this to keep someone not part of the investigation from getting involved in a potential firefight. Also, okay, is this still the same year? Yes. Well, it's only so, been four months. So this is June to September in 2018. Yeah, you got him. You're good. So in September 18th, they start discussing the raid plan seriously. Oh my god. They, they discuss checking to see if the warehouse is already being watched by police. They discuss bringing Wong in on it and having his guys help. Uh, Wong's guys could keep all the guns and drugs while the constables pocket the cash. They also discuss doing this themselves with a bullshit warrant. They call their plan version 1.0, so they're <laughs> they're versioning this. Yeah, like a video game. Yeah. So, uh, so on September 19th, Constable Senior provides UC1 with several Schedule 4 controlled steroids. So, in Canada, like our Controlled Substance Act, which is like illegal or restricted drugs have schedules that that list like how severe it is so schedule four is not that severe it's still illegal uh but you can get them by prescription like you can get steroids by prescription if you have legit issues so he provided you see one with stuff and there was a list in the in the court documents but it's a really long list and 
No one cares. It's steroids. Uh, they also discuss in more detail the plan for the raid, including clothing they would wear to hide their identity upon camera, washing everything of fingerprints. Like they were talking about, like washing the individual shell casings from from the guns before putting hmm. the bullets in, so that if any got left behind, there'd be no fingerprints on them. Uh, I mean, yeah, that makes sense that they're like thinking about these things, but also like that's so over the top. Yeah, discussing whether or not to go in heavy, which like is implied to be like heavily armed, prepared for firefight. Yeah. Uh, the plan at this point seems to be to take everything, keep the cash, sell the drugs, dump the guns. They call this version two. They later made version two point two, which was using generic Walmart clothes and a toy drone to scope out the property. Now, like I gotta think of this in the perspective of UC one, because like for for Cosmo mm-hmm. Senior, this sounds like they're planning a raid. UC one knows this isn't gonna happen and knows this this guy's probably gonna go to jail and he's gonna be fine no matter what happens here. So mm-hmm. like. Did he feel bad about this? Or was this, like, a game to him? Because, like, this seems like... It almost like, like he's fucking with him. Yeah, it, like, it starts really feeling like he's having fun with this. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, there was just need to go into this this level of, like, it, almost, like, silly. And also, they've got him again. Like, they, he's he's run the run the yeah. plates. He's handed over illegal steroids. Like, mm-hmm. they could they could arrest him at any time now. They, yeah, they have like, enough. now they've got him for the thing that they were really pushing for him to have, which was the steroids. But like, again, they've, they've, they've got him for two. They, they've turned this goldfish into a big fish. So, on September 21, they get together off-duty. They go shopping together and pick out most of the items they need for their plan. They bought black hoodies, <laughs> cargo pants, silly string to cover the cameras with. Which, uh-huh. I, I, I thought this was very funny, because having worked in lots of facilities with uh, lots of camera coverage... It is surprisingly hard to cover a camera uh, quickly. Uh, we've mm. had lots of people vandalize cameras with spray paint, with whatever, to try to hide it. And usually you can still see pretty well out of the camera. Like, it covers parts of it, but it's still usually a usable camera. So, yeah. honestly, this guy's never worked as a security guard, as a security guard anywhere. <laughs> oh, probably not. Yeah, so they get silly string for the cameras, they get flashlights, water, and masks. Uh, UC1 later testified that they were there were lots of joking and laughing, but he believed Constable Senior to be serious. On September 23, uh, Wong contacts Senior to give him the warehouse information. Senior is unable to get a hold of UC1 and meets Wong on his own again. Uh, during this interaction, uh, Senior gave a handful of gave Wong a hypothetical scenario of a cowboy crew obtaining drugs from a rival, and if Wong would be interested in purchasing these drugs. Oh my uh, God! Wong asked Senior what his role was in this cowboy crew, and Senior stated he was just a middleman. Uh huh. So now he's starting to work both sides of it. Yeah. So I'd say I'd say this is the point where like he's he himself has has walked over the line of what he's been kind of forced to do. Well, not forced, yeah. but like coerced to do, and now is acting on his own. So again, yeah, he's back to working on his own. But it's the it's the journey to the destination that is problematic. Yeah, I I don't think there's any good people here. <laughs> but um, no. Uh, in September 24th, UC One and Senior met to discuss the plan again. Uh, Wong had led Senior to believe that there were at least two gang members guarding the warehouse and probably at least three more inside. Uh, Wong also told Senior that there was at least $100,000 in cash alone. Uh, Senior said that they would have to go in heavy. Uh, UC1 said that he had no personal firearms at home. Senior eventually suggests taking shotguns or rifles from the station, since he knows when they get, then when they get inventoried and could return them beforehand. He also said he knew people with guns, but that they would probably 
ask too many questions. And yeah, get for American listeners out there, firearms are heavily restricted in Canada. You can own yeah. them, but there's licensing requirements, there's storage requirements, they're registered to you. If so, and and when you're borrowing guns, like this 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 happens all the time where someone's like, Hey, like, I wanna go shooting, can can I borrow your, your rifle or whatever? You usually go together. Cause like one, fun range day. Two, you don't want to let those guns out of your sight, because those are heavily restricted items. So like you want to be there when they're being used. So yeah, if if even if like a coworker were to say, Hey, can I borrow some guns? Uh, I'd be like, Okay, let's go to the range together. And if they were like, No, I just want to borrow them, I'd be like, Why? Yeah, ne- that's ne- that should be the first response. It's like, why? Yeah, it's like if you're not going to the range, why? No. No, we're not doing that. Yeah, because so, like outside of people who are like collectors and hunters, most people don't have a gun. Well, in in law enforcement circles, I'm gonna say that almost every law enforcement officer, most paramedics actually, have gun licenses. It's just a thing that's like shared within that kind of community. Uh, yeah. But again, no one's gonna loan them out, and if you are, it's gonna be like at a range day where you're with the person. You're not just gonna hand like. Even even if you were just gonna loan someone a gun, um, there, that's legally problematic. You have to get like permits and stuff like that. It's, it, mm-hmm. it's a it's a whole thing. So I don't yeah, think anyone would just do it. People who are like trained with these firearms, being like, no, I'll come with you because I am trained. And also, as, as a police constable, he'd have access to a fire range at all times. So like, even if he was to to say something like that, someone would be like, why don't you just go to your range? Yeah. So, they also talked about other things from work, uh, like taking a ram or raid jackets. I'll note here that raid jackets are generic police jackets that they they don't have names on them. They just say police and usually like what unit you're part of, and they're meant to be thrown on over top of other stuff. So, like say if you're if you're a plainclothes officer or a detective and you have to go to a raid or you have to like run into a shooting situation, you throw one of these generic jackets on top to show that you're a cop without having to change all your outfit. Um, so presumably they were taking, taking raid jackets so that they could like be believed as police, but not have anything identifying on them. Cause they're normal uniforms that have like their numbers and their, their name and stuff on them. Yeah. Uh, over the next few days, they fine tune their plan and up the version each time, like in their conversations, they, they version them up. I think they ended on version five. Oh uh, man. They start talking in code over texts, calling the plan a date and whether they would have a third person, a threesome. Uh, I need to throw some lines in here because this is this is glorious, and I don't know what they were thinking if someone actually came across their text messages. Like, uh, um, one line that they have in there is, uh, we need to know if she's down for the threesome ASAP so we can teach her. Because they were talking about, like, potential of the third person teaching them how to use, like, the guns and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and they were calling their, their tools, their, their weapons and stuff, toys for the threesome. So, oh like, my God. if any of their coworkers come, came across these, people would just be like, they're fucking. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, these two are freaks. Slash which, affectionate. Which would probably open up their own investigation, because they're partners. They shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, that so, sounds uh, so, uh, not I, unethical, but problematic. I, I would say a poor choice of code for this particular situation. Like, if anyone suspected them of, like, doing this, then the code's not that hard to break. And if someone didn't yeah. suspect them... Now it looks like they've got these partners who are fucking. So, either way, not not a gr- the, either way, you're getting a supervisor involved in this. Uh, on October one, Wong provided information on the location of the alleged warehouse. 
So now they have all the information needed to actually go do this raid. And I think the delay in getting the location was probably the police renting a warehouse that was going to be empty. so that Yeah, like, so they could, like, set it up. Yeah. Or at least make sure no one got hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, also, during this time, Senior has started running plates for several more people and is and is now transacting steroids um, on a regular basis. Uh, I think we can agree that's, that's far less interesting than what's happening now, though. Yeah, like, we've already established they had him, they could have arrested him. But now they've moved on to something else, and he seems to be along for the ride. Yeah. During this time, Senior was also talking to Wong about selling cocaine and had agreed to sell it to Wong for 30k a kilo, which is... Oh my god! Yeah, it's Dude, below... This is such an escalation, but also... <laughs> yeah, I'll note that 30k is, is noted in the file as being below market value, but, like, uh -huh. obviously he's trying to move it to the one person he knows can take it. Yeah. Uh, he believed there would be 5 to 10 kilos, so we're talking, like, like millions of dollars here. Huh. Uh, on October 9, 2018, Senior, while on shift, removed a shotgun from his patrol vehicle and hid it in a rental van, covering it up with a blanket and some clothes. Uh, shortly afterwards, after he like left the area, uh, other officers from York Regional Police opened the rental van, confirmed the shotgun was present, confirmed it was a police department shotgun. Uh, they removed the firing pin, which would make it unable to fire, but on a normal inspection would not be obvious, like you would have to take the gun apart mm -hmm. to tell. And then they put the shotgun back and put it uh, back where they found it. Um, UC1 at this time was instructed to keep Senior away from the van while the other team disabled the gun. Uh, they did a foot patrol at a nearby mall. Uh, Constable Senior returned to his patrol vehicle to start doing a report. At this point, UC1 was recalled to the station by his handler, and Constable Senior was then arrested. Even do the raid? No, because um, the explanation that Runkle Bailey gave, the, the lawyer who was talking about it, is that... Yeah. If you want to get someone for an a, a attempt to commit, uh, you need to catch them at a stage where they're beyond just planning it. So, like, uh, for an attempt to commit a robbery like this, uh, planning it wouldn't be enough to convict them on it, because, like, you can always say, like, oh, like, I'm joking around, or whatever. Or you yeah. can say, like, well, yeah, I was planning, but I decided not to do it. And then, once someone moves into actual preparation for the crime at hand, and is, like, imminently ready to do it, that's when you've committed the attempt um, so the fact that he had obtained a shotgun illegally and hid it in a vehicle that he rented and had obtained all the other stuff showed that he was past the point of planning and now at the point of about to do it. And so that's probably why they just had to pull the trigger at this point. They're like, okay, we can, we can prove this now. Let's shut it down. So in January of 2022, so this pretty recent, this is only about a year ago. Uh, mm -hmm. Senior was convicted on several of the counts and sentenced to 7.5 years in prison. He was not convicted on all the counts, though. Uh, after being found guilty, Senior's defense team did try to argue entrapment. Uh, the Supreme Court Justice noted that on the investigation, uh, they had crossed the line of ethics several times, but as a result, the Justice had stayed several of the charges. Uh, so you only argue entrapment if you're already convicted. Because entrapment mm -hmm. is a positive defense. Entrapment is a, yes, I did it, but here's why. And so if you if you argue entrapment, then you are you are guilty, but you have a lawful excuse. You were forced to do it. So on the charges that were stayed, he can't argue entrapment because he was never, never convicted of those and they were never tried. So mm -hmm. last I checked, he is still currently appealing these convictions because... Obviously, they're not going to. Last year. Yeah, they're not going to let him use the uh, the entrapment defense on 
on the things he was convicted of because they'd already stayed the ones that are potentially entrapment. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's currently appealing. Um, again, don't think he should be a cop. Don't think he's a great person. But I do think that York Regional Police manufactured a a corrupt cop here where like yeah, he was corrupt but he was low-level corruption and they turned this into something bigger yeah i will say that like i think throughout this entire episode i've sounded very like sympathetic towards him which is absolutely not my intention he's at the end of the day he still isn't good at his job bare minimum and at maximum it took five months to get him to that point I am kind of sympathetic towards him because if he had, if they had done the right thing and fired him, even charged him with breach of trust on the initial issues of looking up things in a police database, he could potentially just like be a free man and have a career doing something else where he's not in a public trust position and potentially just have a normal life. Like, That's true. You know, I don't think there's any risk to the public really. Um, until they started manufacturing, because he pushed back on on this corruption stuff until he crossed a line and started, like, presumably pocketing the money is when he started crossing a line of corruption in his in his own mind, hmm. and that's when everything went downhill from there. So that's, yeah, that so, is that is fair and I think reasonable to be like he didn't because like again as we discussed earlier his career at that point was like a complete lie. So, like, that's already pretty emotionally devastating. He was put into a situation that, like, he wouldn't, I don't think, on his own have been put into. And, like, because of what the undercover cops were, like, encouraging his, encouraging him to do, he ended up doing things that I don't think he would have done on his own. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, the the raiding the warehouse thing i don't think that would have even entered his mind until a few months of this yeah and honestly obviously a person who is susceptible enough to like be pushed into this position shouldn't be a cop uh you're you're under too many stresses to do things that maybe maybe shouldn't but i don't think that had he not been pushed he would have been a dangerous society at all because i mean if you look there were no victims here really other than him except for like the well also except for the um the potential stock well i mean victims of the investigate of what he was doing in the investigation oh i see yeah Yeah. so like he you know he obviously can't be trusted to have police database access or access weapons and stuff like that but Mm. i don't think he like without his police authority was any threat to society because if he had been fired right at the beginning of this before any of this pressure was put on him i don't see this turning into a, a violent guy raiding drug houses like uh, I see this this turning to uh, a sad man who goes and gets a job in construction or something, like yeah, which is probably a better outcome for everyone. Yeah, kind of what I. Yeah. So, yeah, more Mr. Big. Like this is kind of Mr. Big because yeah, it wasn't the same way. But Wong did portray himself as being fairly high up in this yeah. drug trade thing and offered a unique opportunity to senior that he wouldn't have had otherwise. This is definitely very nuanced, I would say. Because, uh, like... Oh, sorry. I will also note that this this might not be a problem with Senior himself, but it is a problem with, like, with police culture in general, is a lot of the sketchy activity should have been reported up to chain of command earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, like, he... 
there, there's this whole thing of like not rolling over on your friends and uc1 became his friend pretty quick so he was inclined to ignore some of the sketchy stuff that was going on no and, even if they're your friends you report sketchy behavior yeah here here's the thing i say to all new people in the industry is protecting your friends doesn't mean not calling them on their bullshit protecting your friends means calling them on their bullshit before it turns into an issue you have to report yeah exactly it's like if you see someone doing something problematic if you're really their friend you should call them out on it so that they can grow as a person and understand that like what they're doing is bad yeah and a whole point of having a partner in these kind of jobs is to stop each other from making mistakes so everyone makes mistakes everyone gets emotional everyone gets heated you know, everyone has a slip of judgment. Mm-hmm. Your job as a partner, a second officer, is to recognize when that's about to happen and stop it. Not not just for like the, the benefit of the public who you're interacting with, but also for the benefit of your partner who you've just saved from making a mistake. Yeah. So that was that was the time that a Mr. Big sting was used on a cop. Honestly, given how short of a time frame it was, I I wonder if he maybe no no I don't think he's smart enough to have no because obviously I don't think he was a good person and he really shouldn't have been a cop but like still this is a bit much yeah this was a bit much so just if you're in a position like this and you have access to information that most of the public doesn't have access to maybe don't abuse that shit and if your partner's being sketchy call them on it please and if you listening have a case that you want us to cover, we have an email that you can send your case to. So it's let's do a crime at gmail.com. That's L E T S D O A C R I M E at gmail.com. And as long as it isn't related to murder, we might cover it someday. And if it is related to murder, we might do like some special episodes on stuff like that, but we're more interested in like weird, interesting crime and illegal concepts because people are fucking stupid yo they do dumb shit all the time sometimes entire agencies do dumb shit and it's more interesting to talk about that dumb shit okay bye bye